If you guys will, open your Bibles to the book of James. This morning we're going to continue going through that, and that leads us to chapter 3, verses 13 to 18. And as you guys are finding your way there, um, you know, as we go through life, it's interesting because the reality is we face a lot of different challenges, a lot of different trials, a lot of different circumstances that some of them are expected, some of them come out of nowhere, right? And the book of James has even told us to, um, to consider it joy. Right off the bat, he said, when you face trials of various kinds, you know, that is going to be a staple of life. And that's just the reality of it. It's not if, but when you face different challenges and trials throughout life. And he's talked a lot about different things leading up to where we are today. But one of the questions they always comes up, or at least should come up in our minds as we're going throughout life, whether it's in a good season or a difficult season, is how do we handle those? Like, how do we navigate our day-to-day lives? What choices do we make? What actions do we take in those moments? Um, it's very important for us to make wise decisions, wise choices, to choose our words wisely. When it comes to the ways we speak and act and the things we do, it's super important because everything either honors and glorifies the Lord or it does not. We either breathe life or we breathe death, we've learned. It's very important that we are wise in the way that we go about our everyday life. And in our passage today, what we're going to see is that James spells out for us that there's a couple different kinds of wisdom and how important it is and what those two different kinds of wisdom look like. So, let's read in the book of James this morning in chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. I was having a moment of panic in my notes. I put chapter 2, but the, we got it right on the screen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right, it says this. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Verse 16. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder. And every vile practice. Some translations say every evil practice. Verse 17. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. All right, let's pray. Father, I love you. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth that it is. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just come and do what only you can do. Lord, I personally need you this morning. Lord, we all need wisdom as we go throughout life, and and we want to be wise in the way that we live and act. and, And so, Lord, teach us this morning. Mold us. Shape us into the people that you want us to be. And, and I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that we would just be overwhelmed with your presence, with your truth, and that as we leave from here, Lord, we would do what your word says because it is for our good and your glory. May we never forget that, Father. This time it's yours. Do with it as you please. It's in Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. 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 So verse 13, it starts off with a question. And the question it asks is this. It says, who is wise and understanding among you? Who is, and so I want you guys to actually think about this question. Who, who is wise among you? Who's the wisest person that you know or maybe have known? Think about that person. Think about who that might be. And then think about this question as you think about that. Why would you say that about them? Whoever it was that came into your mind, why would you say that they are wise or that they were wise? How did they show their wisdom? What led you to actually believe that they were wise? As I think about that, there's, a, there's several different people personally that come to my mind. Um, and for different reasons and different settings, I think that the Lord has placed people in my life that, has, that have helped to demonstrate great wisdom to me and in my life. And, you know, my parents, those are two people that I'm really blessed and thankful for that have shown me wisdom in so many different ways, how to be gracious and forgiving and how to, how to love a family well and to sacrifice and to serve my father and his business that he has, he has shown me and demonstrated such tremendous wisdom. And the reason that both of them, and I, I bring them up because they're incredible, number one, but the reason that I believe that even those two are wise to me is not because of how smart they were up here, but in the way that they lived their life. There's a big difference in that. And the way that they demonstrated the Word of God and the way that they lived their life. And I mentioned my dad's business even. I know there's many times where he had every right in the world to file lawsuits against other people for breaking contracts in his business and doing this, that, and the other. But you know what he said? The Word of God says we're not to do that. I don't believe that it's going to matter ultimately. I'm just going to do what God says and let Him take care of everything. And He did that, and I watched Him live that out. And you know what? The Lord blessed Him in those things. How we live our life is really the measure of a wise person, not so much what we got up between the ears. And James is going to talk about that and illustrate that for us. And he tells us, like I said, there's two kinds of wisdom, earthly wisdom and godly wisdom, false wisdom and true wisdom. You know, you think to Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 3, Solomon, of all things, when he was talking to God that he could have asked for, he asked to be wise. He asked that the Lord would give him wisdom, and the Lord did. And remember, wisdom, as we talk about this morning, it's not head knowledge, but applied knowledge. It has to do more with our actions than our intellect. And James spells this out, and right off the bat, he says this. He says, by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. So wisdom has to do with our behavior. If you think that you are wise, it should be known in the things that you do. This morning when I got to church, I get here early on Sunday mornings, and it's just part of the way that I prepare my mind and my heart for our time together and worshiping the Lord, and I've got a routine that I do when I come. I come and turn on the lights, and, and then I make a pot of coffee, because that's of the utmost importance, okay? I make a pot of coffee for myself, truthfully. I think everybody else that comes already thinks it's really about them, and if I'm honest, it's really about me, okay? But this morning, I, when I went to make coffee... I, I got all the, I ground the grounds, I put it in that machine, and then I walked off and I was doing stuff for a minute, and I looked over, and, and the coffee was just pouring onto the counter because I didn't put a pot underneath it, okay? 
I'm pretty good at making coffee. I understand how to do it, but my actions weren't very wise in what I did in there. And I made half a pot of coffee on the counter. It was glorious. And then I felt bad. I didn't even say anything to poor Ronnie, who's in there making coffee this morning, but he's in there wiping the counters. And I know he's probably thinking, what happened in here? (laughs) Don't tell him. I don't think he's in here right now. Okay, don't tell him. But here's the deal. It says, by your meekness. We live in a time, let's be honest, we live in a time when everybody and their brother wants to give their advice to everybody about every topic under the moon, right? Everybody's an expert on everything, and we have no problem just making sure everybody knows how smart we are when it comes to X, Y, and Z. I mean, fill in the blank. Everybody wants to make sure that their opinion is known because we're all experts on certain things, which cracks me up. Because I will see, you'll see people giving parenting advice to other people who have never had a child, right? You'll see all these different things, and we're just so quick to put out our wisdom and to show off how intelligent we are, perhaps, when it comes to different things. But the interesting thing about what James is saying here is that the person who has true wisdom has meekness. There's a humility about them. It's not arrogance, but it's gentleness. True wisdom is displayed not in an overbearing sense, but in a very gentle sense. And when it comes to worldly wisdom, I want you guys to see the picture that James paints for us, starting in verse 14. He says, But if you have bitter jealousy, selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast, do not boast, and be false to the truth, This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, in fact, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. He tells us that a person with earthly wisdom is characterized by jealousy and selfishness. That that's the characteristics of that. If you find yourself bitter, jealous, You know what? You will find yourself making decisions from that place of bitterness and jealousy, which never leads to good choices. You will find yourself just trying to keep up with the Joneses. You'll find yourself always living with the mentality that the grass is always greener on the other side somewhere else. And and when there's jealousy and bitterness, I'm telling you, it does not lead to good fruit. It does not. And it says selfish uh, ambition. Selfishness leads us to live in such a way that everything is about us. The world revolves around us. And guys, whether we want to admit it or not, that is something that we all struggle with daily, to make everything about us. We want to paint a prettier picture sometimes, but if we're not careful and you think about how you live and and the choices that you make and everything that you, a lot of times it's really about you and what benefits you and what you like and how you would do things. There's this selfishness if we're not careful. What do I have to gain from this? But let me, let me I don't, I don't want to be a, a downer with this, but the reality is that life isn't about me and it's not about you. It's really not. Life is about God and his glory. That's ultimately what it is about. God does desire to bless us, to care for us. He's the giver of every good and perfect gift, and we are his children, so he wants to take care of us and bless us and and, and meet all those needs because he's a good, good father, like we're saying. There's zero doubt about that. But in the midst of that, it's really about his glory. 
One of, the, one of the most famous passages, perhaps, is Psalm 23, that maybe many of you guys know. And I love it because it shows the heart of God, but then it tells us the why with it also. And this isn't uh, an outlier. This is a characteristic of God throughout the Scripture. So look at Psalm 23, just verses 1 through 3 real quick. That's a pretty picture, by the way, in that background. Okay. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want... He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths for righteousness. But then listen, why does he do those things? For his name's sake. For his glory. Guys, God wants to bless us. He wants to meet our needs. He is that awesome and incredible But at the same time, he's doing that ultimately for his glory because everything revolves around him and not us. Everything revolves around him. The driving heart of God in all things is blessing and loving and encouraging, saving, rescuing, redeeming, ransoming, sanctifying, all those different things. And in Ephesians chapter 1, it says it's for the praise of his glorious grace. All those different things are that his name might be praised. So the truth is this, guys, the more you try to make life all about you, the more miserable it actually is. That might, and that seems counterintuitive because the world and earthly wisdom would say the more you take care of yourself, the more everything revolves around you and every one of your desires and needs is met, that the more satisfying and fulfilling life will be. But the paradox is that the exact opposite is true. Jesus told us, what would bring us life. And what brings us life is ultimately not about making everything about us, but about loving him first and foremost and serving others and sacrificing and taking up our cross and following him. Those are the things that bring life and bring it abundantly. The world would look at that and say, you've lost your mind. There's no way that can be satisfying. There's no way that's an abundant life. But the reality it is, and that's where we have to understand there's such difference in earthly, worldly wisdom and heavenly, godly wisdom, false wisdom versus true wisdom. The world says the wise thing is to live for yourself, promote yourself. But when you live like that, the scriptures tell us that that leads to certain things. When we live with jealousy, selfish ambition, the text tells us, and look in verse 16 what it says. It says, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile or evil practice. The result of living with bitterness and jealousy and selfishness is disorder and vile evil practices. A home that's marked with jealousy and selfishness will have disorder. There's no doubt about it. A marriage that's marked with bitterness and jealousy and selfishness is going to have disorder. What causes fights and quarrels amongst you, the Word of God says? Is it not your selfish ambition? Vain conceit? Guys, the Word of God is so true. There's tremendous wisdom in this. When you live for self and you live with bitterness and jealousy, it creates disorder. It promotes and breathes evil into situations. A church that's full of bitterness and jealousy and selfishness will have disorder and evil. That's why it's so important that we love each other, forgive each other, extend grace and mercy to each other and build each other up and see the best in each other and and all those things because when there's selfishness in the church, 
it leads to disorder as well. When people are trying to make a name for themselves or even a church make a name for the church's namesake, it leads to disorder and evil. And the reality is, guys, this danger is, is, is a reality for all of our relationships and all of our families and churches. We cannot pursue selfishness because with it, there's fruit that we just literally do not. And this wisdom, when you live for the things that the world says are good, it leads to loss of love, no intimacy, no trust, no fellowship, no harmony with other people. You know the other thing that false wisdom says? False wisdom says that there's not a right or wrong way to live life. In fact, the world says and will tell you, listen, that might be one way to live your life, but whatever is good for you, that's how you should live your life. Whatever you enjoy, whatever you think is correct or right for you, then that's how you should live your, your life. There's no standard of morality. There's no standard of right or wrong, but false wisdom of our world says, do whatever you think will bring life to its fullest for you. There's no reverence for God and his word. There's no standard for what truthfully good is. It just becomes this idea or this perception or whatever our culture decides is right or wrong or good or bad. And friends, if you go down that road, it leads you to people like Hitler and Stalin because there's no standard for what is good and what is bad, for what is right or wrong. So we have to be careful because the wisdom of this world says, man, whatever, how do you know what is true? How do you know what is good? Well, whatever you want, whatever our culture and society says is good. And then that's, that's a dangerous, dangerous road. I'll just leave that at that. But there is a way that seems right to man, the word of God even says, but in the end it leads to death. Look at Proverbs 14, 12. It says that very thing. There's a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way to death. There's so many things that even seem right in our minds from a worldly perspective, but if we're not careful that we're not matching those things up with God's word to make sure it's true and good and praiseworthy and noble and excellent, all those things, it leads to death. Earthly wisdom loses sight of eternity. When you live with earthly wisdom, you believe that here and now is all there is. And so you live for everything here and now. And you store up for your tre yourself treasures here on earth versus things that are eternal. We lose sight of the reality that this life is a mist. It's a vapor. It's like the snap of a finger in light of 2,000 years, 10,000 years, 10 billion years. Like, I can't wrap my mind around that. There's no doubt. But an earthly wisdom would tell us, man, here and now is everything. So live for everything here and now. But the truth is that's temporary. It's passing. That's an earthly way to go about life. So you'll build your whole life trying to make sure you have this giant savings account and all the money in the world just to pass on and leave it. You come into the world naked, they say, and you leave it naked, right? Can't take that stuff with you. And you say, well, that's a blessing for my family. Listen, all that stuff's between you and the Lord. Okay, it really is. But I know there is a danger when it comes to living for the things of this world. We're not to be lovers of this world, but lovers of Christ. Okay, so make sure that in our wisdom, too, that we're not short-sighted. That we, that we never lose sight of the fact that, man, there's an eternity that awaits us. You make decisions not based on like the here and now always, but the big picture. Store up for ourselves treasures in heaven.
And here's the deal, guys. All this stuff that James is talking about, its roots are demonic, it says. Like when the Word of God says something is demonic, that should probably make your radars go off a little bit, okay? The lights should be flashing. But all this has its roots in the demonic because that's who Satan is. He is the father of lies. There is no truth in him. And from day one, that's all he has done. And his heart and his desire is to kill and to steal and to destroy, right? And so when it says these things, man, we got to take them seriously. we got to do what we can to rid out bitterness, jealousy, selfishness, pride, and live in the alternative. But here's the deal. Here's the second kind of wisdom, it says, and it's a godly, heavenly wisdom, a true wisdom. It says in verse 17, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So here's the thing. Once again, recognize this. Wisdom isn't as much as between the ears as it is in what we do. You can be the smartest person in the world, but live, I don't know the proper word here, stupidly. Is that a word? I don't even know if that's a word. Okay, it's a word now. Put it in the dictionary. Put my face by it. Okay. So here's the deal. He says, if you have wisdom from above, that person is going to be pure. They're going to be a peacemaker. They're going to be reasonable, merciful, full of good fruit, impartial, and sincere. So think about what that looks like. It says a person is pure, that's truly wise, and has wisdom from heaven. There is purity in your life and your actions. You do the right thing at the right time for the right reasons. There's a purity to how you live. It says peaceable. Friends, cultivate peace in situations and circumstances that you're involved in. You can be a peacemaker. You can bring peace to situations. You absolutely can. I promise you. It says that a wise person with with heavenly wisdom is gentle. I mean, does that characterize you? Maybe. Sometimes. That's a big sometimes for me. I got to be sweet. I got to remember that. Okay. Reasonable, it says. Are you even willing to listen to other people? One One of the wisest people I believe that I know, and he's probably also one of the smartest people that I've ever heard, is a guy by the name of Ravi Zacharias. Many of you guys know him and have read his things. He's an incredibly, incredibly just gifted teacher of God's word, but he's an apologist primarily, and he's built an entire ministry to help people understand the word of God. And he debates some of the greatest atheists and and skeptics of Christianity in the world. But one of the things that I love is he is an incredible listener, He'll be in a debate with people, and they're just trying to razz him, and he just has this peace and this calm. And then he just gently speaks the truth and lets the truth do the hammering on people. Like, he doesn't have to get amped up. And you know what he says that I think is awesome? He's like, when you are answering a question, you're really not answering a question. You're answering a person, and remember that. And, and so there's this, this gentleness. There's a reasonableness, willing to listen Like, that is a lost art, and I am terrible at being a good listener. But a wise person is quick to listen, right? Reasonable. It says merciful. A wise person shows mercy. They see the needs of others. They do what they can to help meet those needs. They're full of good fruit. It's what comes out of a person that matters. 
Sometimes we want to follow and believe people based on all their credentials and stuff. That drives me nuts. I'll just be honest with you. There's people that have every letter after, before their name, and in between their name. Okay. But honestly, I don't know if they could make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You know what I mean? But yet, if people get these letters by their names, oh my goodness, they're the experts on these. When I was in college, for example, I better be careful. Well, okay. When I was in college, I never forget this. Like, I was, I was in the business school, and I had some teachers that were teaching these upper-level business classes, and they acted like experts on it. And then somebody would ask them, well, what did that look like when you were in the business world with your company, with your business? Well, I've, I've, uh, I've never worked for a business before. It's like, man, how much wisdom is that? You can teach me from a book, but you've never lived this stuff out. Huge difference, okay? I don't even know where I came up with that right now. What are we talking about? Oh, good fruit. Yeah, good fruit. So, no, really, you got you to gotta see a person's fruit, man. Just because people say things that seem right, man, let the fruit of the Spirit coming out of people be an encouragement and speak to you. It says impartial. The wise don't show favoritism. Like James was just showing that. They don't only cater to people they think they can get something from. There's no partiality. They don't see the rich as more important. And they're sincere. They're not fake. They're real. They're authentic. They don't act like they have it together all the time. They admit they still have questions. They don't think they're the smartest person in the room every time they walk in somewhere. That's a wise person. And I don't know how anybody can think they've got it all figured out. I mean, seriously, there's a deep arrogance in that, deep arrogance and pride. So it's interesting. James describes this type of wisdom, because, and, and it's interesting what he says here, because if you look at it and think about it, it's almost a mirror of what you see in the Beatitudes, right? Blessed are the merciful. Blessed, like, so if you want to have some time and, and study some of this on your own and look at it, there's a really neat parallel to the Beatitudes with what James is saying here is heavenly wisdom, wisdom from above. It's really, really a neat thing. And once again, there's a fruit, there's a result that comes from living like this. There is, and it says in 18, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. There's righteousness, peace that comes about. Guys, remember this. God is perfect. He is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. He has all authority in heaven and on earth. He is good. He is love. And when he tells us this is the wise way to live your life, this is the wise way to handle these certain situations, like everything that we read in the word of God is for our good and for his glory. It truthfully is, and we have to remember that. And the wise thing to do is to walk in obedience to his word. Okay, so hey, think about this. How do we grow in true wisdom then? Like, how do, we, how do we cultivate this heavenly, true wisdom in our life? What does that look like? Because we all want to grow in that, right? Nobody wants to walk through life a fool. We want to walk in a way that honors and glorifies God as wise men and women, sons and daughters of the king. Well, the first thing I, way I think that we can grow in this is to ask for it. You remember what it said at the beginning of James in chapter 1, verse 5? It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, hey, raise your hand if you lack wisdom. Okay, if your hand's not up, you got problems, okay? <laughs> we all lack wisdom. We need more wisdom, okay? But it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously. He don't just slap on a little bit. He layers it on. Who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. 
Guys, if you need wisdom, and we all need wisdom, this should be like something we pray for daily, all the time. Lord, give me wisdom. I don't know about you, but like every day I need more wisdom from the Lord because I don't know what to do half the time. I don't know how to handle certain things. If I have a situation with my children or with um, a friend or with somebody like randomly, like there's a way the world says to handle this, but God, what is the wise way to handle this? Like give me that wisdom because I know this wisdom leads to disorder and chaos and evil and vile things. I need heavenly wisdom, Lord. Help me to know what that is. So guys, pray and ask God for wisdom, and he will give it to you. He will give it to you. Secondly, have an ever-growing understanding of the God of the Bible. And I said that specifically like that for a reason. Have an ever-growing understanding of the God of the Bible, not a God of your own understanding. There's a huge difference in that. A huge difference. I hear people say all the time, well, I just don't think God would do that. Or I don't think God would, would surely allow this or do this or that or the other. And it's all about what they think and they believe versus what the Bible really says about who God is. You're not God. You are not. And so one of the ways that we will walk, we will walk in wisdom is when we get to know the God of the Bible, not a God of our own intellect, our own understanding, or in fact, our own desires. Because a lot of times people will try to shape God into something that meets all their needs, fits all their little boxes that they have, whether it be politically, whether it is morally. We try to shape God into something that meets all of our needs. Remember, it's not about us. And the God of the Bible is the true God. What are you basing what you think on? What you want the Bible to say, how you want God to be, or what it truly says that God is according to the word of God. Big difference there. So get to know the Lord and make sure that you're understanding who he is and reality and truth, and it's all found in Scripture because 2 Timothy tells us about what the word of God is. In chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, it says, All Scripture is breathed out by God. It's profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Friends, that's what we have at our fingertips, the very breathed out word of God. And, and if you want to talk about the Bible and its inaccuracies and errors and all that stuff, absolutely, that's great. We can talk about that sometime. I'd love to. But the word of God is true. It is absolutely true. You know what? So we... We ask God for it. We continue to get to know God in his word. But guys, do you remember what the Bible says is the beginning of wisdom? The fear of God. Listen to what it says in Proverbs 1, 7. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And here's the deal. Man, there has to be a reverence and a respect for God and his word for you to grow in knowledge and wisdom. Like, do you, do you know who God is? Think about who God is. And who, are, who, who on earth are we before him? And when he says that this is how we should live and what we should do, man, who are we to say, nope, I know better. But that's what we do sometimes. There's not this reverence before a holy, perfect God who gives us our next breath. Like, it, it's, it's crazy. So if you want to grow in wisdom, grow in your understanding of God, the God of the Bible and who he is. Third, walk in community. 
Walk in community. In Proverbs eleven fourteen, it tells us where there is no guidance that people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Here's the deal, guys. We're all, we all need help, okay? We really do. We all need help. God has built us to be in relationship with him, to be in relationship with other people. A cord of three is not easily broken. Like, life is difficult. We're faced with circumstances and situations all the time where we just need the, the encouragement of other people. We need people to say, listen, I know it's going to be hard, but this is the, the, the godly way to handle this situation. It might be difficult, but we're going to support you in that, and we're going to help you in that. And sometimes we're just honestly lost, and we need other brothers and sisters in Christ to help us stay on the straight and narrow. So a wise person doesn't say, I'm good, I don't need anybody, it's just me and God, everything's great, the Holy Spirit will give me, I mean, like, like we are created to be in community and to be an authentic community. If you want your community and your fellowship with other brothers and sisters in Christ to flourish, man, start being real and honest and just putting stuff out there because that is when you will grow wise and people will come alongside you and help you to the truth. And here's the other deal. Guys, we all have blind spots. We all have blind spots. I've got like 1,300 probably, okay? And they're called blind spots for a reason. You can't see them. We need people in our lives to help us see. Man, you're living with earthly wisdom in this, to speak the truth in love and grace. We need people in our lives like that. All right, last thing here. Last thing that we can do to, to grow in true wisdom is do what the Bible says right? Remember, a wise person isn't so much about the intellect, all right? It's more about what we do that shows that we're truly wise. And so, and, that, and that's what James has been saying so much. There has to be action with our faith. You can't be merely a listener of the word, but we got to be a doer of the word. Like that is a wise person. The wisest people I've ever known in my life walked in obedience to God. That's what it comes down to. That's what it comes down to. There's no true wisdom and understanding without action. There really isn't. So, man, if you want to live a wise life and have the fruits of living for, uh, in, in that wisdom, do what God's Word says. Do what the Bible says. You will have no regrets. It doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. It doesn't mean that you won't be persecuted and ridiculed and made fun of and mocked for the way that you do things when you sacrifice for the good of others, when you give of your money to the church, people will say that's the stupidest thing ever. I mean, seriously. When you make sure that your kids understand that being with the body of Christ is a greater priority than their sports teams. When your kids miss practices because you refuse to, to deviate from meeting together with the body of Christ, you're teaching your kids what's important. The world will say it's foolish. I mean, fill in the blanks here, guys. When you live for the ways of God and the things of God, it's going to look different, and it's going to be difficult, but God's ways are always for our good. They really are, and there's, a, there's a, the fruit of righteousness that comes with it as well. So three questions this morning. Uh, where do you turn for wisdom? Really, where do you turn for, for wisdom? You watch an Oprah, or you watch, I mean, where, no, that's no joke. And hey, some, you know, the interesting thing, I shouldn't have said that, but here's, here's the interesting thing. There's a lot of good self-help books out there. There's a lot of good people that are, that give good wisdom when it comes to how to handle situations. But if it's really true, good wisdom, its roots are always from the word of God in the Bible. 
That's what it, when it trickles down to. Where's the source of why they're saying to do these things? A lot of times it's from the Bible. But where do you turn for wisdom? I hope it's to the Word of God and to other brothers and sisters in Christ that can uh, spur you on towards the ways of God. Secondly, does the way you live your life demonstrate earthly or godly wisdom? So as you take an evaluation of your life, what does it demonstrate? Are you living with earthly wisdom or worldly wisdom? And then the last question is, how is God asking you to grow? in your wisdom. Like, what, what, what I mean by that is what steps is God asking you to take that you can grow in your wisdom? The number one easiest thing to do, or probably two things, would be the, the churchy answer, pray and read the Bible. But guess what? If you're not spending time with God and asking for wisdom, you're probably not going to be all that wise. If you don't know the Word of God, which is the truth, it's the lamp and light to our lives, right? If you don't know that, do you think you're going to really walk without stumbling and falling? No. So how does God want you to respond? How is the Holy Spirit speaking to you and saying, all right, this is what I want you to cultivate in your life in greater ways so that you can walk in wisdom, in that heavenly, good, godly wisdom? Man, guys, God is so good. Like, he genuinely is so good. His grace is absolutely blows my mind. I told my wife the other night, I'm like, I, I don't understand. Like, I really don't, because I'm jacked up. I mean, seriously. But God, he is so good, and he's so faithful. And his word is true. His mercies are new every morning. He lavishes his grace upon us, and I do not get it, because if somebody treated me like I treat God sometimes, I would have nothing to do with him probably. But God just continues to love us. Guys, so remember, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But the Lord wants you to walk in freedom and in wisdom and in life abundantly. He truthfully does. So keep growing. Keep seeking the Lord. He is good. Let's pray. Yeah, Lord, thank you. Thank you, thank you, Lord, that you care enough about us to, to tell us, to warn us about things that lead to disorder and vile practices, and evil. Thank you, Lord, that you tell us that, that selfishness, and bitterness, and jealousy has its roots in the demonic. Lord, we don't want to live in the demonic, but we want to live in the light of Christ. So, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that, that you would just come, Holy Spirit, and do a work in our hearts. Lord, that you would flush out all bitterness and jealousy and envy and, and that selfish ambition that's just rooted so deeply, Father, that you would just flush that out of our lives, Father, that we would live selflessly, that we would rejoice for people when they have success and the Lord is blessing other people, that we would celebrate with them rather than be jealous of them. Father, that you would give us a deep just contentment with you, that in you we have all we have and need, and we don't need to worry about having everything the world says we need, that we truly are satisfied and fulfilled completely with Jesus Christ. And Lord, give us wisdom. Holy Spirit, we need wisdom. We ask for it in faith, knowing that you will give us wisdom. So Father, fill us with wisdom, with truth. And Holy Spirit, give us the strength to walk in that wisdom, that our actions, the way we live, would demonstrate the wisdom that we have. And Lord, we praise you for your Son, ultimately. Lord, that you love us enough that yet... In our sin, Lord, while we were still sinners, Lord, that you sent your son Jesus to die for us, to take upon himself the punishment and penalty of sin. 
And Lord, just like he conquered death, we too will do the same and spend eternity with you. Lord, help us to have an eternal perspective when it comes to how we live our life. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.